When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. What's up? This your boy Lil Duval. And check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. What does every grocery store aisle now have in common? Products that come in paper packaging. And we don't just mean the obvious ones like cereal boxes and juice cartons. From beauty products to boxed water, there are more opportunities to go papertarian than ever before. So why should you? Because paper comes from a renewable resource and can be recycled up to seven times. Simply put, it's the smart choice for the environment. And it turns out, the easiest choice for you. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 at The Home Depot. How doers get more done. Brought to you by Toyota. Let's go places. Welcome to Forward Thinking. Hey there, everyone, and welcome to Forward Thinking, the podcast that looks at the future and says, Tell me, doctor, where are we going this time? I'm Jonathan Strickland. I'm Lauren Vogelbaum. And I'm Joe McCormick. Joe, I, I, I've got a question for you. Okay, I, I've really been thinking about this for a while. Uh, what, if I, had to, if I had to nail you down and say, what movie that involves time travel do you feel really gets it right? What's the, the best depiction of time travel in the movies? What would you say? Well, I don't know if it's possible to get time travel right in the movies right. because I'm not sure if it's possible to actually do it. Like period, but right? The movie that that convinces me the most is a little uh, indie sci-fi movie called Primer. Have you all seen this? Uh, I have yeah. not seen Primer now. So yeah, so in your version, time travel involves getting a storage unit. Yeah, yeah. so you rent a U-Haul and you put a little box in it and you go sleep in the box yeah. and um and then everything gets really confusing. But <laughs> there, there, there are a couple of things I really like about the way it depicted time travel. Number one uh, is that it depicts it 
the technology, the technology aspect, the machine they build feels like a real project. You know, you see the scenes where they're designing it and it, and it doesn't sound like a bunch of sci-fi magic talk. You, right. You feel like these are these, these are, are guys who these are, are engineers. Yeah, they're real engineers who are talking about the kinds of problems engineers encounter when they're sure. building a machine. Right. Number two, the thing I like about it is that it's the thing I said before. It gets really confusing. Yeah. When, when, yeah. Once they keep using the machine, it's hard to keep track of what's going on. It's a movie that challenges you, too, because if you if you aren't willing to really pay attention and listen and try and be engaged, you could be lost before there's any time travel at all. In fact, you can be lost before you realize what the heck they're trying to build. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah. All right, Lauren, what about you? Do you have do you have a time travel, like a favorite kind of depiction of time travel? Uh, well, I think that probably the, the, the closest to what will eventually be reality is uh, is what The Simpsons portrayed in the Treehouse of Horrors episode, <laughs> Time and Punishment, yes. yeah. uh, which, of course, was was kind of based on the old Bradbury story, A Sound of Thunder. Now, is that the one where Homer goes back in time, accidentally steps on a, on a butterfly and changes everything? Uh, right, right. Com- comes back to the to the present and uh, and and winds up in what seems to be this amazing, perfect dimension. Right, uh, and everyone's and, got and, lizard mouths, or well, but 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 he goes, he goes like they're all like rich and fabulous, and and he's like Marge, give me a donut, and she's like, what's a donut? And then right. and then he leaves, and then it starts donuts, donuts. donuts oh, start it's falling raining from the again. sky. It's raining again. Yeah. yeah, my favorite part of that one is where he goes back in time and just starts killing things randomly. <laughs> <laughs> but that also does try to sort of address a real issue that's possible with time travel. Yeah. Were time travel a reality? And you were to go way back and change some small thing, you have no idea how much of an effect that might have in the future. True. Now, before we get off too far down that road, because we are going to address that, it's my turn. Yeah. What's oh, yours, yeah, John? Yeah, what's yours? Bill and Ted's excellent adventure. That's because true. San Dimas High School football rules. Yeah. I actually was just <laughs> reading about how scientists at MIT are working on a time traveling telephone booth. Yeah. 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 It's, uh, it's, <laughs> It's it's, it's it's phenomenal. Powered it, by uh, George Carlin magic. I was right. about to say, I mean, this has to involve George Carlin. Sadly, and very I'll, short supply now. Well, I mean, just because he's passed away in this current time, if it's a time machine, <laughs> then that should that should be no problem. Right. Oh, OK, OK. So time travel is really fun for the movies, especially because it creates all of these weird questions. We have no experience with which to compare it to. Right. So you can you can almost try anything. Yes. And we, of course, have talked about time. In a previous episode, uh, we we were really talking about time and and general relativity and special relativity. And uh, so we're not going to go too far into that, but we will give a little bit of a refresher so that we can have at least a a kind of an agreed upon foundation upon which we will build our contraption of time machine that will fall apart at a moment's notice. Yeah. Okay. so (laughs) let's talk about time travel today. Uh, Is it possible? uh, If it is possible, how might it work? And if it does actually work, what would it mean? Well, it depends on how you define it, because if you just define it as traveling through time, technically we're all doing that. Right. Your we body's are all a time machine. Not cosmonauts, <laughs> chrononauts. Yeah, yeah, we are yeah. chrononauts. Yeah. yeah. That's a great term. I, yeah. Yeah. We, it's true. You just, you know, you just have to be <laughs> and you and you and you would go through time. All right. So first of all, defining time, we mentioned in our previous episode, it's really hard to do that without it becoming this kind of crazy recursive uh, uh, you know, tautological definition. So, yeah, 
Einstein said time is what you read on a clock. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> one one definition you could apply is say it's the rate of change in the universe. And this is not something that is is globally consistent or universally consistent. In other words, it can you can actually have very localized rates of change that are much different than on the universal scale. As it turns out, time is in fact relative. It is different depending upon your perspective. And that doesn't just mean it seems relative to different people, you know, based on how long it feels like this horrible movie has been going on or this lecture or something. It's measurably relative. Like, it actually changes depending on how close you are to, say, massive objects or how fast you're going. Right. Yes. Oh, right. That's a gravitational time di- dilation. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and both of these, you know, gravitational time dilation and the, the speed at which you're traveling – uh, those those two effects are what make it um, necessary for us to have satellites that correct their time uh, gradually, because as it turns out, the time on their clocks passes at a different rate than the time on our clocks down here on the ground level. Right. So even if you were to take a fast airplane trip and you had a very precise clock on board the airplane, when you landed and you compared that against another clock that had been started at the exact same time, has that same level of precision, you would see that time had passed at slightly different rates. Not a lot. I mean, it's not like you land and you, you land an hour earlier than what you you would have landed uh, if the hadn't gone, out. well, not just speed, but the fact that time is actually passing at a different rate for you. Uh, but it's, it is a tiny amount. It's, it's measurable. Uh, with satellites, it's a little bit more important, uh, because one, the effect is larger, and two, we're depending upon satellites for things like GPS. And if your time isn't exact, if you haven't corrected for this time dilation, you're not going to get an accurate reading of where you are on Earth based upon those GPS readings. So, we already see dilation in effect on, uh, uh, today. It's not like it's just hypothetical. Yeah, it's, Definitely just an accepted fact of science. But despite the fact that time is relative and influenced by things like uh, nearby massive objects and the speed at which an object is traveling, one thing that we do seem to know about it is that it only seems to move in one direction. Right, right. We don't seem to... Cause and effect goes in one way, right? You don't yeah. have a, a an effect and then later a cause happens. You have a cause and then the effect happens. It's sort of the arrow of time. Yeah, and it, it points in only one direction as far as we can determine, at least intuitively. Uh, mathematically, it's a different uh, different matter, I suppose. <laughs> but first, I, I would also mention that time travel inherently has a paradox attached to it, which is that you get two different completely different experiences of time, at least based on the type of time travel where there's some time passing for the traveler as well as for the rest of the universe. So in other words, Joe, if you decide to go back into the past and you're taking some sort of trip where, like, let's say it's the TARDIS from Doctor Who, there's actually time that passes for you as you take this journey. So you're leaving today and you're going back 200 years into the past. And it doesn't take that long. I mean, there's basically just a series of whoop, whoop, whoops, and, yeah. and, then, and then you land. <laughs> but, but it's not instantaneous. Right. So you experience time moving forward. To an independent observer, who I guess has been around for a few centuries, uh, they will remember the fact that you arrived before you departed. So that's two different experiences of time. 
my question would be if there really is this kind of movie style traveling backward through time uh, motion, where are you physically in that? Time? Well, I mean, it, <laughs> space and time are very much in, uh, connected. You yeah. know, we have this whole idea of the space time continuum. But where is not so much of an issue as when, uh, as it turns out, because at least with the doctor's TARDIS, it travels both through space and time. Uh, if you're in a DeLorean going 88 miles per hour, somehow you're magically in the right place, uh, uh, the right region as you as you would have been had somehow you managed to track the Earth where it was yeah, needed to be. Yeah, you know? that, that thing is what always mixes me up about a lot of this time travel stuff. Right. I mean, in addition to many other things like, like about oh, time travel. Like the DeLorean but... doesn't just appear in the cold reaches and... of space and <laughs> Marty McFly immediately perishes. Look, Doc Brown is a really smart guy. Yeah. Um, but no, I mean, I mean, with that kind of essential paradox, even the very small differences in, in time that happen between us and our satellites, for example, mm. are actually really hard to wrap your mind around. Yeah. Uh, so... Anything as large as time travel is is necessarily problematic. Okay. Whack, I think, is the accepted scientific term. Yeah, yeah. quite quite whack. Yes, uh, its whackness is is a uh, is sufficient. It's it's a it's enough of a whackness to the, actually detect with uh, the naked eye. <laughs> okay, so I've got a question. Yes, does time travel? Is there any way we could just rule it out at the beginning to say, no, we just know it's not possible because it violates some law that we're almost positive cannot be violated? All right. To answer that question, first of all, spoiler alert, according to at least some mathematical models, uh, time travel is at least hypothetically possible. But there's still some things that we have to talk about. For example, the law of conservation. Now, we've heard this, right? The idea that you cannot create nor destroy matter or energy. You can convert one into the other, but you cannot actually destroy it or create it, right? You can't make energy disappear. Yeah, or you, matter. You can convert energy into less useful states. Sure. But it's never going away. Right, right. right. So in other words, uh, when we are, you know, we talk about how systems lose energy, they don't really lose energy so much as they produce other forms of energy that they aren't as useful. excrete it out into the yes, environment. They're, they're pooping out heat, essentially, <laughs> yeah, is what they're generally doing. Generally, heat, which is hard to harness, is yeah. just diffused. Right, kind of. right. So that law of conservation suggests that there's a problem with time travel. And that problem is this. If I send something into the past, whether it's a person or an object or a time machine, whatever it is, then that thing will suddenly be in a time where it wasn't before. That seems to suggest that I am actually creating more matter at that moment in time in that space-time region than was there before. Does that violate the law of conservation? Or more so than even just creating a really weird time sonic boom. Yeah, um, the fact that I, the fact that something is there that wasn't there before. You had a, a uh, let's say, a, a certain amount of matter in that region, and now there's more matter, and it wasn't that you converted energy, it's that you've produced it. Hmm. I can tell you what the general answer to this is about how they get around it, oh. which is the idea that in an infinite and unbounded universe, you have regions where conservation takes place. But it's not a global thing. It's not it's not applied across the entirety of the universe. It's so it's it's kind of complicated, but it's it's assuming that there is an infinite universe. And therefore, you're not really creating more matter because it, the concept of infinite alone means infinite. <laughs> like, like there's no 
more to infinite. You, <laughs> you've got that. That that alone is, you know, it's yeah. meaningless. You're, so. you're not creating a lack or yeah. uh, additional now, right. But localized, it would be a problem. But if you look at the universe as a whole as a system and consider it infinite and unbounded, you don't apply that that law in that instant. So that's the way of getting around it. Yeah, it's kind of a, a lot of the stuff we're going to talk about today with these time travel rules and the ways to get around it. It reminds me a lot of if you've ever played a a uh, pencil and paper role playing game. I knew you were going to say that. And you've got one of those players who's trying to find a way around every rule in the game. And that's the way they play the game. <laughs> I you guys have friends who don't play the game that way. I thought I thought that was the entire point of the game. I've 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 had games where people didn't do that and they were magical. (laughs) But at any rate, uh, so another thing we can talk about, does it um, is it is it is it violating space itself? Um, And according to some models of general relativity, time travels possible through something called a closed time like curve or CTC which are, quote, world lines that end at the same point in space and time as they begin. And we'll talk more about what CTCs are and how you might be able to travel through time, backwards through time, in fact, because a lot of people say, oh, well, time travel would be possible if you're talking about traveling into the future, but traveling into the past is problematic. I mean, especially if you think about uh, using special relativity. So you're just talking about moving really, really fast. So to you... Time passes at a different rate than it does to someone on some other, you know, moving body. Right. If they were to look at you, you would appear to be moving in slow motion. Right. And you would see everything sped up back home. So, for instance, if uh, we're talking about here on Earth and Joe leaves to go on an interstellar super fast joyride, uh, he might go for a year and be traveling at almost the speed of light and return to Earth, and it'll be like two centuries have passed. But to him, a year has passed. Now, to that, that you could that, argue is that sort is of like basically traveling into the future. Yeah, it's like it's like traveling into the future for you, Joe. For for the rest of us, it's just like, boy, Joe, you remember him? Whatever happened to that guy? <laughs> <laughs> and then maybe someday our descendants would be like, oh, you're this Joe guy who never shows up to things. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, at any rate, uh, the CTCs would allow you to travel back in time, assuming that they are actually in play in this particular model of general relativity. And we'll get into that in a little bit. OK, I, I've got one. OK. What about basic causality? What? I mean, can you you've heard of the grandfather paradox? Yes. Obviously, yes. you have. Yeah, I wrote the notes. Right. <laughs> Well, okay. So the grandfather paradox is a fun one. Uh, this this is a very common one that's that's mentioned. There are a lot of different variations as well. But the the easy way of saying it is: imagine that time travel is in fact possible, where you can go back into time. Yeah. And then you go back in time. You're an assassin, and you have a specific target that you have to hit in the past. You travel back in time, and your target is 18 years old. And you assassinate your target. But it turns out your target was actually your grandfather. Your grandfather didn't have kids until he was, uh, you know, in his 20s. So you have killed your grandfather before your pa- your mother or dad were born, which means that you wouldn't have been born, which means you couldn't have gone into the past, which means you couldn't have killed your grandfather. Thus, the paradox. Now, we're not saying there's any reason this would need to arise. But if traveling into the past really were possible why shouldn't you be able to do something like this? Well, again, 
if through your action you end up negating the ability to even go back in the first t- place, that's the paradox, right? Right. You've created an incoherent loop is what it's called. It's it's something that could not continue uh, once it happens. Like once it once you were successful in doing whatever the task is, and it doesn't have to be kill your grandfather. That's the paradox. But uh, there are a lot of different variations. Generally speaking, what they're saying is even if time travel were possible, you probably couldn't go back and change anything because if you did, then it could negate the possibility of you traveling back in time in the first place. So there's an argument that extends from that saying that maybe there's no way to affect the past at all. But that also seems like a problem to me because by appearing in a place, I mean, even if you don't really do much of anything, you're still affecting it. Right. I mean, just by your state of existence there. Sure. It's that accidentally stepping on a butterfly thing and creating a universe where it rains donuts. Yeah. It seems like it, it wouldn't be possible to go to a place without having any effect. Well, there's some interesting ways around this one, too. One is suggesting that you would be able to do whatever you wanted. It's just whatever you did happens to be whatever has happened anyway. That makes more sense to me. So in other words, it's not that you are prevented from doing things. It's that whatever you choose to do is what has happened already. And what led to the the, the state of the universe that allowed you to travel back in time in the first place. Yeah, now, this becomes a coherent causal loop where you end up having you can have variations on this where the only way it could have happened is if you had traveled into the past. Which I love these two. They're very popular in science fiction. Well, yeah, I mean, one of the one of the big ones that seems to emphasize the strangeness of this kind of loop would be uh, what if you only know how to invent a time machine because a time traveler from the future came back and showed you how to invent a time machine? Yeah. Yeah. And there's another great example. In fact, I'll go ahead and say it. Let's just say that, uh, uh, Lauren, you have created a way of uh, uh You've gone to the future. You've got a time machine where you can actually move into the future. Uh-huh. I do. And yeah. you, you steal <laughs> from the future an amazing device. And this de- I steal things all the time, yeah. mostly well, from the future. Yeah, so it's a really cute nutcracker no, no, that looks like a squirrel I, from I an have, antique store. I have a I have a specific example. <laughs> okay, okay, what is it? Lauren also the squirrel thing though, yeah. Lauren the the the, the chronographer kleptomaniac. <laughs> steals a device that turns grape jelly into strawberry jam. She travels back in time to present day and starts to thus turn all the grape jelly into strawberry jam. And she loves it. She's fantastic. Yes. And then on, as she's, you know, she's traveled far into the future to get this amazing device, uh, on on her her deathbed, many 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 years into the future, she then gifts this this device to a little vagabond, and the vagabond it turns out ends up being the quote unquote inventor of this device. In other words, this device was never actually invented; it only exists in this loop of this time. Weird, right? Where it turns out that the adult version of this vagabond is the person from whom Lawrence stole the device in the first place. And this device only exists within this closed time loop uh, from that perspective. Uh, yeah, that doesn't seem to make any sense, because in that case, the device was never actually built. Yeah. It always it existed. Just existed. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. See, it's another one of those kind of... And if you've ever read any Heinlein, Heinlein has got a billion stories that involve this kind of, of uh, closed loop where... Nothing in the story could have happened unless this other thing that hasn't happened had already happened. <laughs> it just gets more and more confusing as it goes along. I think it's much more likely that um, that 
grape to strawberry jam converters are a universal constant and that therefore um, that they have to exist. They must exist. <laughs> they must. Is, they must at some point exist. Right. Um, I, I also am very fond of the theory that um, that the universe kind of kind of equalizes anything that you would do and, or try to do in the past. Right. Like if you went back and tried to shoot your grandfather, um, that the gun would misfire right. or <laughs> that that suddenly a strong breeze would throw the bullet, bullet off course. Right. Or that, uh, that a weird reflection got in your eyes and messed up your aim. And but the, the idea being that the universe itself counteracts anything you try to do and thus prevents it from happening. Uh I can see that if you're just saying, like, this is another way of saying that whatever you go back and change is what already happened. Uh, if you're talking about the universe having, like, an active deterrent mechanism, <laughs> that, that seems only possible if you're positing, like, uh, time travel police ghosts. That... I, I think that Final Destination has proven beyond a doubt to us that this kind of thing happens yeah, it's all a the great, time. great documentary yeah. series. Yeah. Uh, but also, it doesn't necessarily have to be conscious. It just has to, again, it's very similar to... This is what has happened. Therefore, yeah. this is what will happen if you were to go into the past. But another uh, interesting idea that tries, you know, one, one way you can try and get around this is sort of similar to what you were talking about with the Simpsons, Lauren, this idea of parallel timelines. This is what it's like in Back to the Future in a lot of stories. Like oh, this. yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you go back and you change something. It doesn't have to be incorporated into the future you've already experienced. You create a new future. It's right. branched. You, you right. split yes. off. So in this sense, some people say, well, technically you're not uh, altering the past so much as avoiding the present. In other words, <laughs> yeah. in other words, the <laughs> present, the present every day, <laughs> <laughs> the present that you are from, let's say uh, you, you have left the present. You've gone into the past. You've made a change in the past that would affect your present the one that you came from, uh, it splits off the timeline. And now you are in a parallel timeline where the, the change that you made is, is fact. It's historical fact. And so therefore, whatever your present uh, will be now, it'll be different from what it was in the timeline you left. But the timeline you left could theoretically still be going on. It's just now it doesn't have you in it because you left. Yeah. Um, and I guess you probably wouldn't be able to get back, would you? Yeah, I mean, that's oh, that, hypothetically. I that's, mean, it, I, I think that if you can get over there in the first place, then there is surely a clause in now, which you can get back. But. If you were to go back even further into your timeline so that you could stop yourself when you appear the first time in order to change the timeline and thus prevent yourself from changing the timeline by going back and changing it again, maybe I don't know. I, I need to have like some trees, uh, you know, to illustrate all this on. Um, but yeah, again, uh, some people say that this, this ends up being some sort of universe hopping as opposed to time travel in the purest sense of being able to, to go into the past and change things around. Okay. Well, let's just say maybe one of these things really can happen. Uh, now we've accepted that based on relativistic physics, you probably could travel into the future. That's not really the problem. We're talking about traveling back in time. How would you actually do it? If if one of these models, any of them, at least one of them works, what's the way you get there? Because this is a thing that that legit physicists have legit thought about. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's some there's some not just physicists, but also philosophers who have really talked about, you know, what what is the likelihood of this? And if uh, well, if it's possible, how would it be possible? And some of the models are. Uh, you know, hypothetically possible, but not practical, right? And 
Actually, I'd say all of them aren't, uh, because <laughs> if they were practical, we would have totally been doing them already. Oh, yeah. Uh, or at least tested them. But one of them would be using what are called care black holes, K-E-R-R, or care rings, not caring, but care right. rings. Uh, so this is after a, a physicist named Roy Care, who proposed this back in 1963, and talked about the concept of a rotating black hole uh, that would be a care black hole. And if you're looking for size, it would be about the size of Manhattan, but it would have the mass of our sun. So it'd be incredibly dense. You know, yeah. sun is obviously much larger than the Earth. So for it to be reduced in size to the size of Manhattan, but retain its mass, incredibly dense. So the idea of a care ring is a ring of collapsed neutron stars that are spinning with enough rotational force that at least in theory, they would never create a singularity. Now, the singularity is that that point of infinite density, that point that has zero length, infinite mass. So you would never be able to escape from it. Light itself cannot escape from it. Uh, that's not the same as Event Horizon, which is a great movie that we watched for tech stuff. <laughs> yes. But it's also uh, Event Horizon is also the zone around a black hole. That's the point of no return. Right. Yeah. Which is why it's a terrible idea to name your spaceship after that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it's By like, the way, don't, don't name, do that, guys. Don't name your don't name your your cruise ship iceberg, and uh, <laughs> don't name your your spaceship Event Horizon. But yeah, so uh, the idea with the care ring is that perhaps there would not be a, a singularity at all. This rotational force would end up preventing that from happening, and the the idea is that you might. And I stress might be able to pass through such a thing in a spacecraft uh, and not be spaghettified and crushed and killed as a result. Uh, and the idea would be that you would be spit out of the other end, which essentially would be a what is what is in theory called a white hole. I say in theory because we haven't observed one. A yeah, white... these might not actually exist at yeah, all. Yeah, yeah. One of the ideas is that a white hole is essentially, I mean, that's like the opposite of black hole. It's where stuff is being spouted out, like matter and, and energy is coming out of this. Uh, <laughs> you know, it'd be black hole would be one end of it and white hole would be the other end of it. But while we've observed uh, the the black holes, the white holes are still something we don't really See, I'm trying to wrap my brain around that. What would be the opposite of a black hole? It seems like it'd be something like a little Big Bang kind of, wouldn't it? Like it, like a continual Big Bang. Yeah, singularity expanding outward, putting energy and mass. I out. would just think of it as the other end of a pipe. In oh, a way. Okay. so wormhole is kind of similar in a way, but um, the, again, we haven't observed white holes. Right, uh, right, right. One of the other theories is that black holes are are kind of a window into another universe, right? The idea being that there's some sort of hole through our space time that connects to some other, perhaps space time. Perhaps it's something we can't even fathom because it's so different from our universe. But uh, one of the counter arguments against that is that, well, does that mean our universe is exit only because we can't find any entrances? We don't see any of the the what we would imagine would be the opposite of that, where stuff is coming from somewhere else. Although you could argue that maybe dark matter and dark energy are somewhere in there because we can't directly observe those. At any rate, there's the possibility that you could fly through one of these black holes and thus travel through time, either in the future or in the past. But you wouldn't necessarily be able to control that at all. So it'd just be kind of... Wherever, wherever, and whenever you end up, that's where and when you are. It's uh, it's like when the kid goes to make a suicide at the fountain drink machine, except right. you're doing that with time and space. Yeah, you just you got you got a blindfold on. You don't know how much lemonade versus Dr Pepper you're putting in that mix. Right. It could be delicious or it could be noxious. Yeah. Uh, similarly, there's the wormhole approach that I just mentioned. So wormhole essentially is is curvature of the space time into a tunnel, where going in through one side and popping out the other side. 
you would end up in a totally different area of space time. Okay, so give us the real scoop. Wormholes, they're in all these movies and they just they're just magic tunnels basically. Well, in the movies what, they're magic tunnels, yeah. Yeah, what's the real deal with a wormhole? They exist. Uh in fact, wormholes Well, we think they exist. Well, Again, I mean, we 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 haven't observed them, but mathematically Einstein and Rosen, who were two pretty smart dudes, uh eh, said not that smart. <laughs> said, said that it's logical that they exist. Yeah, if you look at it as like a teeny tiny lasting for a split oh. second basis in large uh, particle accelerators, they technically exist. If you didn't hear me rolling my eyes, I, I just rolled them really hard. I, I, okay, okay. And, and not that that isn't true. That is extremely true and, and wonderful and beautiful and not particularly useful to the conversation <laughs> that we're having right now. Because first of all, none of us are atom-sized. And, and second of all, we exist in periods longer than um, nanoseconds. A fraction of a second? Okay. So, well, I'm just being pedantic. So, <laughs> but yes, your point stands, Lauren. There is, we have never observed any kind of wormhole. In fact, there may not be a style of wormhole where you could create something that has stability that would allow you to actually pass through it, uh, that would have the size and duration necessary for that to happen. Nor do we really know what would happen if we were to pass through it. One, you we don't go know. To the Delta Quadrant. <laughs> yeah. You end up, yes, you end up, you end up being in the, the, Arguably the least popular of the Star Trek uh, series on, I guess, Enterprise probably gives it a run for its money. But, or uh, or on a living ship using the word frill a whole lot. Right. Either, either one okay. of those can occur. But at any rate, uh, the the issue is we don't know, one, if it's even possible to create a wormhole or to find a wormhole in nature that would allow us to pass through it. We don't know what would happen to us if we did pass through it. And again, you wouldn't have the control, right? Unless you were able to fold space-time itself specifically to your desires, you would not be able to determine where and when you would come out the other side yet again, kind of like the black hole. So it might be a way of traveling through time, but again, it may not be practical. Um, and, you know, in order to imagine this, this is the, always the hardest thing for me to imagine because you have to think of space-time. It's, it's a, a four-dimensional construct as we understand it right yeah, now. Yeah, and, and I've seen some pretty interesting like like gifs of this on the internet, but but I understand that um that, that is not really an accurate depict I mean I mean I, I have a hard enough time <laughs> perceiving three dimensions yeah. and when you add the fourth in there I'm like Bling. Yeah, yeah, because it's easy enough if we we reduce it to two, right? If we think of the standard uh, example is you have two people holding a sheet taut between them, and then on top of the sheet you lay some sort of object that has mass that that pulls the sheet down, right? It curves, the sheet curves around the object. So even when you're holding it tightly, you see it where it's dipping down, depending upon the mass or the weight of the object, uh, that determines how, how much curve you get. Well, the same thing happens in four-dimensional space-time. So space itself curves around massive objects, and time does too. Uh, it's just really hard to imagine that. For one thing, you know, even if you're able to imagine it in some kind of abstract three-dimensional way, adding a fourth dimension, like you said, Lauren, really hard. I mean, not, I, I certainly, it baffles me. Uh, sure. And especially once you get past the concept of, of just a, a sheet curved by, by like a bowling ball, for example. Right. Um, further, in order to make a wormhole, you have to punch through the sheet with the bowling ball to perhaps another parallel sheet beneath it, or maybe a little bit of the sheet that's on the floor underneath it. And then... I, there's like stars involved and I don't and I don't follow. Well, technically, you could wrap the sheet around the bowling ball and thus create a tunnel that way, though. I don't know that that makes it any more useful. Another way of maybe thinking about it now, tell me if this is totally off is uh, you drill a hole in an apple 
And so if you imagine the, the two-dimensional surface of this apple is actually the three-dimensional space world, and that, that third dimension of the apple is the fourth dimension of time, you can sort of go through from okay. one side of the apple to the other. Sure. Yeah, you're. I can't wait for your your time travel movie, and you're you're gonna call it the core, and then be disappointed, <laughs> oh, no. disappointed to find out there's already a movie called that, yeah, <laughs> and there's already a worm in there. Yeah, that's true. So uh, anyway, wormholes again, very much a hypothetical when it comes to time travel. There's also the closed time like curves that we mentioned earlier. So uh, this is um. An interesting concept comes it's, back to another uh, another big thinker. Uh, right. It's it's not a it's not a new concept. Some of the ways of explaining how to make it work are very new, but it might date back as far as like the 1940s with um, Kurt Gödel, who was a buddy of Albert Einstein, a pretty pretty smart and a little bit nutty mathematician. Yeah. Who was was talking about the geometry and movement of the universe and and put forth the idea that these loops might exist like like if you had a long enough journey um due to the way that the, that the universe he thought might spin that you could loop back on time right and uh then we have the entrance of string theory into the idea of these closed timelike curves so string theory it's we're not going to go too far into it we could do a whole episode on string theory too but uh, string theory, you can imagine that all matter in the universe, and I'm talking about all the way down to subatomic particles, is made up of these these strings that are either uh, either open ended or they're closed in loops, uh, and they vibrate in different ways. And you know, super string theory, the super symmetrical string theory, suggests that the vibrations of the strings are what determine what kind of uh, subatomic particle gets represented. For instance, protons vibrate; the strings vibrate one way, electrons they vibrate another way. Anyway. One of the concepts here is that by using cosmic strings, either uh, two of them very close together or one sort of attached to a black hole, you could put them under such pressure that you create this closed time-like curve in the universe, which if you were to travel using this t closed time-like curve, you could move back to the point of origin in both space and time when that curve was created. So you could travel back in time up to the point when that curve was created. You could not travel further back because the curve wasn't around before then. Uh, right. Unless a dinosaur did this for you, you couldn't go back to, to the... the time of dinosaurs. Right. Exactly. So in other words, if I built one today, the furthest back I could travel would be today. I wouldn't be able to go back to yesterday. But any time from here forward, assuming I have a way of harnessing that, I could travel backward. Uh, this could become really useful if you have a short-term plan of making a lot of mistakes <laughs> and you want to be able to go back and try a lot of different options before you settle on whichever one is going to be the, the, the least harmful of all the mistakes you're going to make. Uh, sort of like creating a save point. Yes, exactly. Yes, you've got like three doors ahead of you and you know two of them lead to certain death. <laughs> but wait a second. Every time you go back a few minutes, is there another one of you there that you have to kill before you can make the decision? <laughs> An excellent question. I don't know the answer to that. Uh, you know, again, this ends up being very much hypothetical. Obviously, no one has actually created one of these closed timelike curves that they could travel around it and go back into time and uh, so it's, again, very much kind of a, a philosophical and scholarly discussion, not a practical discussion. OK, so I want to raise an issue, which is that all of these things that seem even remotely close to plausible 
do not happen to be the kind of machines you can build in your garage, like in the, the very uh, Victorian the, kind of looking or or, or or primer, like I brought uh, up earlier. You yeah. know, it, some people in their garage want to build a time machine. It doesn't seem like that's the kind of thing that lets you travel through time. The closest seems- is the the closed time like curve where you wouldn't be building one of those in your garage, but maybe you're building a spaceship in your garage. Yeah, okay. It's about as close as you can well, get. Well, I guess you could build a spaceship in your garage to go to a, a, a Kerr ring, you know. Or- yeah. Something like that. Yeah, so, it, but it's not a time case, machine in the sense of like you you set a dial to 1957. And right, get right, in. right. It, I wonder if this is because time itself exists in a relativistic framework, and you might need relativistic forces, which means really, really huge or really, really energetic, in order to manipulate it. Yeah, there's some studies that have suggested that if you wanted a time machine, you would have to harness the equivalent amount of power that you would find in a galaxy in order to make it work, which is not necessarily practical. We think we have energy problems now, but when it comes to, you know, I want to go back to last Thursday, but I need to harness the the power of an entire inner galaxy to do it. It's certainly not convenient from your garage. No. Okay. So folks, if you want to know how what we have to do in order to create time travel go listen to our episode on the kardashev scale yeah. we need to get to kardashev level 3 and then we'll have time travel well assuming that no one else wants to do anything right, right, right. <laughs> hey guys guys i know you're really crazy about yeah. your iPhones and your kindles and right. your internet's but we're going to turn all that off so i can go back to last turn Thursday. off the galactic irrigation systems yeah. and all the life support <laughs> now what what if we uh what if all this this talk is truly moot what if what if there is no such thing as the future or the past only the now well that was kurt Gödel's idea, actually, he, he he suggested that the end result of his model of the universe, um, which which branched, by the way, from from Einstein's theory of general relativity, mm-hmm. um, is that since time travel is hypothetically possible within the realms of physics as we understand them, uh, therefore, time itself as we understand it cannot exist. Yeah. So- uh, I, I mean, that's that's the the idea is that nothing is ever really in the past or in the future because time travel can exist uh, and, and, and therefore the past and future don't exist. So in other words, it'd be that you would get in a time time travel device, but you'd have no destination to go to. There'd be, there'd be no place to go to because there is no past in the sense of a, a, a point in space time that still is relevant. Uh, I'd argue there is no present. That there is no now. Well, you know what? Einstein would agree with you in the sense that simultaneity is uh, is a concept that doesn't work in Einstein's model with general relativity because it all depends upon your point of reference. Because it's subjective, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I mean, if you try to I mean, if you actually just sit down and try to think, okay, what is happening now? There, there is no now. I mean, uh, the more actually, you try we're, we're to sitting here and t- the more the you try to examine the idea of an instant of yeah. now, it it just slips through it your fingers. Apart, yeah. It's another one of those things where you know, in order you you sit there and think of it on the scale of, all right, let's take let's take a unit of time. Let's say it's a minute. All right, well let's let's break that down. Let's right, what's happening this very second, and then you think, wait, you know, you can actually break a second down into smaller and smaller slivers, and you just keep thinking that well, technically you can just keep reducing by half. Over and over it's and kind over of a again. Zeno's paradox. Sort yeah, of thing. yeah. You get to a point where it's not 
perceptible by humans by any stretch of the imagination, but it's still, it's still mathematically happening and it's still significant in a mathematical sense. Right? Yeah. So then you think, well, wait a minute, how did I ever get from, especially when you start getting really far away from units of time that we can perceive, you think, how is anything ever happening ever? <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, when the past nanosecond transitions to the next nanosecond, what's ha- what's now in between them? See, that's where a lot of other science fiction comes in, where you have entire worlds that are existing and 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 growing and falling apart in the time between the seconds. So it's a t- it's they're existing in a in a way that is imperceptible to the rest of us because we we only see the seconds. We can't see what's in between them. It's great stuff. But anyway, <laughs> the the point being that when it comes down to is time travel possible, will we ever see time travel? Uh, there's still a lot of disagreement on it, you know. Mathematically, according to the laws of physics as we understand them, including Einstein's theories of relativity, there's nothing that expressly forbids it from being possible. Well, again, I, I want to stick with what I said earlier is that uh, I, I I feel pretty good about time travel into the future. I'm very skeptical about time travel into the past. Well, especially since, you know, as far as we can say, there's no there's no evidence that we can point to that it's ever happened before. And you would imagine that if it's in fact possible, someone from the future would have traveled back in time. There are counter arguments against that too, but you can find them posting on the internet. Time <laughs> oh, travelers. From oh, the let's future. not go into Certainly. that. I've done a whole podcast about that, <laughs> but uh, yeah. So, but you know, the, the classic argument is that if time travel ever is possible to go, you know, if it's ever possible to travel back into the past, then some time travel traveler from the future needs to come back to this time when we're recording this right now and knock on our door right now. Oh, son of a. No, that was me. I'm just kidding. <laughs> no one was actually at the door. No, but that's the argument. Wouldn't it be right? great, though, if some horrible reptilian did bust in and say, I'm <laughs> sick of you making you would, fun of us? Well, that would be you, too. I'd be like, hey, look, for the record, I did not make fun of reptilians. <laughs> yeah, no, that, that would be you and me, Joe. Yeah, or, yeah. Uh, so really it's our legacy all you're telling reptilian me is, trouble you're just telling me i gotta get new co-hosts uh <laughs> all right so anyway this do you guys have anything else you want to say about time travel i mean this is this is one of those fun things to talk about because um like you start feeling pretty confident right the stuff that you can intuitively grasp you're 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 zooming along and like okay this makes sense then you start getting into some of the math and you think okay wait Intuitively, that makes no sense, even though the math itself works out. And then the further you go, the more you're like, okay, now I don't even know what I'm thinking anymore. Uh, Our intuitions are great when we need to get the groceries. They are not very good when we need to solve questions about time and space. Yeah, it's very true. Things on the cosmological scale and on the quantum scale often are uh, they defy our intuition because our our experience is not on that those scales. Yeah, I mean, we. There's no reason our ancestors on this planet ever had to think about time travel. Yeah, I mean, it's that monolith just... just appeared and then <laughs> that's, you just go from there. Well, anyway, that wraps up our discussion on time travel. Uh, so the jury's still out, technically. Uh, again, mathematically, there's nothing that specifically says this is completely off limits. Practically, could very well be that there's no practical way to do it. And certainly we don't have any evidence of it that we can point to. And uh, even if there is a practical way to do it, the, that practical is in extreme scare quotes because yeah. um, because practical like blowing up a galaxy is yeah. not necessarily right. That's that's 
not not in my book that doesn't fall under the category of practical. But anyway, if you guys have any suggestions for future episodes, you've got some sort of futuristic topic you think we should tackle, let us know. Send us an email. Our address is fwthinking at discovery.com or drop us a line on the social networks we frequent. Those include Facebook, Twitter, and Google+. We have the handle fwthinking at all three of those. And we will talk to you again in the future. Or maybe in the past. For more on this topic and the future of technology, visit forwardthinking.com. Brought to you by Toyota. Let's go places. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hey, guys. Back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck, yeah. And some waves. So we could go surfing. Oh, <laughs> ah, love that. A redwood forest would be cool. Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it. Um, tenor girl go shopping. Yeah, baby. Wait. Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org.